Jesus can reframe your past and bring the future into the present. Let me say that again because that's what we're going to spend the next 25, 30 minutes on together. Jesus can reframe your past and bring the future into the present. And Easter shows us that. And we're going to get there. But I actually want to start a couple of weeks before that first Easter, something that Jesus said and did before that first Easter morning that proved that he can reshape, reframe our our past and bring the future into the present. And let me say right off the top, I realized in preparing this message and getting ready for Easter that I needed this. I needed this truth. I needed this message. And and God's done uh, some incredible things uh, in my life through digging into this. And so I know I need it in my prayer. My hope has been that you do as well. In John chapter 11, Jesus says these words, I am the resurrection and the life. I have some friends here, a good group of guys. They're in a connect group together and they know that I, I guess the best word for it is collect different translations of the Bible. And uh, I do this, I think mostly because I'm so interested in the reality of what the scriptures are. The scriptures are always meant to be God talking to people right where they are. It's supposed to meet people right where they are. And so translations in different vernaculars that are comfortable for people has always been very interesting to me. And so they know that I kind of collect these different translations of the Bible. And so they got me a Hawaiian Creole version of the Bible. And it's actually really good. And in the Hawaiian Creole version of John chapter 11, Jesus says these words, I'm the guy that makes people come alive and stay alive. Love that. But what were the things that were happening? What was going on that made Jesus say those words? Let me give uh, just a little bit of background. Jesus is close friends with a family, and there are at least three siblings in this family, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And he loves them, and he spends time with them. Mary's the one that anoints his, his head with expensive perfumes. He loves this family. And Jesus and his followers have been doing ministry in and around Jerusalem, and the message is uh, increasingly reaching a point uh, of, of being uh, uh, upsetting to, to people. And they don't like his message. They don't like what he's saying. They don't like what he's claiming about who God is and who he is and what he can do through God's power. He doesn't like any, the people don't like any of that. And so they actually threaten to kill Jesus and his followers and they escape out to the countryside where Jesus continues to preach and to heal. And while they're out there, they catch word that Lazarus, Jesus' friend, is sick, really sick. Mary and Martha, Lazarus' sisters, send a runner to Jesus to say, our brother, your friend, is sick. Come help us. And Jesus' response to this is, this is not a sickness that leads to death. This is a sickness that brings glory to God. So already we have a confusing response from Jesus that is kind of uncomfortable. And it's a category that we probably don't really want to have in our life, a sickness that that brings glory to God. But that's his response. And Jesus stays in the country rather than going to Bethany, where Lazarus' illness actually eventually leads to his, his death, his dying. And then Jesus says, now let's go to Bethany. And his followers are like, wait, didn't they just try to kill us there? And Jesus says, yes, but Lazarus is resting. We need to go. And so uh, Jesus' closest followers, they'd been with him, but they don't understand what he's saying. And so this would actually give us some comfort as followers of Jesus, those of us that are followers of Jesus. Like, like we don't always get what Jesus is saying, and his disciples don't. They say, yeah, of course, if he's sick, he should be resting. And Jesus says, no, Lazarus is dead. We need to go. 
And in verse 17 of chapter 11, it says this, On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, so many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them at the loss of their brother. And when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed in the home. Now, this is interesting. It was customary in Jesus' day that if you lost someone, lost a loved one, you would stay in the home for around 30 days and just mourn. Just grieve. And people would come and visit you, but you wouldn't leave. They'd bring you food as much as you could eat and water as much as you could drink. And, and, and they would just sit and cry with you. And it shows the significance of grieving. And it shows the importance that this culture uh, put on and understood about the grieving process. So that would have been customary. And Mary follows the custom, but Martha doesn't. Martha breaks the rules. And she runs out to Jesus because she has something to say to him. And you know what she says? Where were you? I called for you, and you didn't show up. Ever said that to Jesus? Verse 21, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answers, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection of the last days. Verse 25, Jesus said to her, I'm the resurrection and the life. I'm the guy that makes people come alive and stay alive. The one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? He looks at Martha and says, Yes, Lord, she replies. I believe that you're the Messiah, the Son of God who has come into the world. So we're talking at Easter about Jesus reframing our past and bringing the hope of the future into the present. What's the first thing Martha does? She runs out to Jesus and she brings up the past. If you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. He'd still be here if you would have shown up. And listen, if you've ever felt like that, if, if, if you've ever thought, if Jesus had been here, things would have been different and he abandoned me. Why didn't he show up? Jesus, why didn't you show up? If you've ever felt like that, like, honestly, I have some. But if you've ever felt like that, please don't check out this morning. There's something for us here. I think it's easy for us to sometimes read the scriptures with the end in mind, kind of from the back forward. Some of us who know the scriptures know the end of this story, but Martha didn't. So stop for a second and imagine what it would have been like to be one of those sisters. You sit beside your brother, you're watching his life fade, he's in pain, they're suffering, they're struggling. If you've ever been around death, it's ugly. We don't know the details of the illness, but it came on pretty quick. We can tell by the scriptures. So imagine what it would have been like. The sisters are there, and, and, and their brother is fading fast, and, and they're begging Jesus to show up and fix it. Because you don't, and you don't want to leave. You want to be there by the side of your loved one. And so you send somebody. You say, I can't leave. You go get Jesus. I can't even pray. I can't even bring myself to prayer. Now you pray for Jesus. I can't get him. You go get him. You bring Jesus to me. And he no-shows. Maybe you came in today feeling like that. Jesus, if you would have shown up, this wouldn't have happened. I know I've been there some in the last year as I've wrestled with losing loved ones. Jesus, if you'd been here, they wouldn't be gone. Jesus, if you'd have been here and changed things, I wouldn't still be struggling. If you would have shown up, it wouldn't be so hard. If you had shown up, I wouldn't be stuck here. The wait wouldn't be so long. The rent would get paid. The job would come back. They would forgive me. Jesus, where were you back then when I needed you? So Martha looks in the past. 
And let me be clear on this. The scriptures actually encourage us to do this. They encourage us in multiple places. It's a thread that runs all through the scriptures. Remember. Look back and remember. Remember the goodness of God. Remember his faithfulness. There are even uh, significant portions of the scripture that encourage us to look back when things were difficult. Remember the valleys, in fact. Because we remember the valleys, we remember that God has brought us through those valleys. So when our circumstances aren't what they should be or what we want them to be in the present, we can remember that God brought us through that. So we're called to remember. And so Martha does. She remembers. She looks in the past. But is she seeing the right frame to look at the past through? This is a difficult question that we're wrestling with, and I want to be really honest about that. How could God be loving and this happen to me? There are times we can't reconcile a loving God with what's happened to us, especially if there's been uh, abandonment or abuse or neglect or pain or loss. If you're good, God, where were you then? Those are honest questions. But when we look at the past, and that's all we're looking at, we see the truth, but we're not seeing all of it. And so what does Martha do? Martha looks at the past, but because there's confusion and tension in the past, she jumps to the future. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. He infuses hope right into the middle of that conversation. And Martha answers, I know he will rise again in the resurrection of the last days. At the end, when you said everything right, I know it's out there, way out there. She looks back, and because there's pain and confusion back in the past, she looks deep into the future, into a deferred hope. It's way out there. I'm not giving up hope. It's just that there isn't any hope right here in this moment for me. This is the waiting room. But if Jesus is who he said he was, it changes that. If Jesus is the resurrection and the life, it changes that. If Jesus is the guy that makes people come alive and stay alive, it changes that. It means he can reframe the past and he can bring the future into the present. Future hope can seep all the way back into the present. And by the way, this response of Jesus doesn't give us the space to say, well, he was, Jesus was just a good teacher. And so we come to Easter and kind of get some teachings because he was a good teacher. He's not even teaching here. He doesn't pull Martha to the side and say, hey, I've got, um, I know this is a hard time and I'm really sorry, uh, but I've got a four-step plan to get you through this process. And once you work this four-step plan, uh, then, then you'll be fine. He's not even teaching in that sense. What Jesus is doing, he looks at Martha and he says, I know there's a problem. And I'm the solution to the problem. I'm the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? He says, I'm standing right here. Eternity has invaded the present. So future hope isn't all out there. Some of it just came right in front of you. Let's jump down to verse 38. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man. No longer Lazarus, by the way, just the dead man, the sister of the dead man. By this time, there's a bad odor, for it has been four days. Um, this is a little Easter present for you. If you look this up in the King James Version, not in the New King James, the Old King James, it will stinketh, is what uh, Martha said. So that's a little levity in a pretty serious moment. It will stinketh. Don't move the stone. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So what does it take to see the glory of God belief? But what Martha is doing when she says it's been four days, here's, here's what he's saying. Jesus, you had your chance. I called out to you. I put my hope in you. And you didn't show up. You no-showed, remember? It's been four days. It's over. 
I got no hope left. I tried. I put all I had in you and you let me down. I've got no trust left in the present. Maybe the distant future, maybe out there somewhere there's something worth hoping in, but it's over here. Don't move the stone. I may be disappointed, but at least I've, I've kind of started to come to grips with my disappointment. I don't want to be re-disappointed. Don't move the stone. There are some ancient Jewish writings um, that, that are kind of interesting around this that said when someone passed away, the spirit would hover over the body for up to three days and could be manipulated in different ways. And so the four-day period is actually an interesting number because it seems that Jesus wants us to know that there's no, there's no um, manipulating going on here. There's, there's no superstition that's going to leak into this story. Lazarus is gone. And Martha says, it's over. Don't move the stone. You missed your chance. But Jesus' response to Martha is so interesting. His tenderness to Martha's doubt and our doubt is so incredible. He doesn't say to her, um, you know what? You ruined it. I was going to do something nice. I showed up. I was going to raise your brother, but you ruined it with the whole stinketh comment. I can't work under these conditions. Right? Jesus never talks to us like that, ever even if we walk away, even if we say there's no hope left in the present Jesus. I tried, you failed, I'm out. Even if we say that to him, he never talks to us like that. Look at what he does. Verse 41, so they took away the stone and then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. His hands and feet were wrapped in strips of linen and a cloth was around his face. And he said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. So remember, Jesus wants to reframe our past and bring the hope of the future into the present. So for these sisters, for Mary and Martha, for all that they had experienced together, for all they'd gone through, for all the tears, for all the confusion, for all the disappointment, what happened when Lazarus comes out of that tomb? It's all different. It's not gone. It's different. All the questions of Jesus' love and his care, they're all reframed around a new present. It's not that the pain and the question disappear. They don't. They were experienced. They were felt. But they're no longer the center of the picture. They're no longer all that can be seen, and they're not even the most important thing that could possibly be seen. The past gets reframed, and the hope of the future where things get set to right come into the present when Lazarus walks out of that tomb. But here's the question. Because for some of us, our stories are inextricably linked to our past. Maybe for some of us, we can't believe that God would love us. I mean, we, we showed up and we, we put nice clothes on and we looked good and we came to church. But honestly, if, we, if you ask, it's like, I don't know if God could love me for what I've done in my past. I haven't done things right. And We feel like God's into good people and not too into bad people, and so he's probably not too into me, and maybe we feel like we've gone too far to be forgiven by a good God. Maybe he's not even a good God if he's he's willing to forgive me. He's not a good judge if he's merciful to me, but what that shows is a limited view of who God is because the scriptures show us over and over again God loves, he even delights in using people the world is shocked by. And he loves and even delights in pulling people from the darkest place to become the brightest lights. Maybe it's not that kind of past. Maybe it's a different kind of past. Maybe it's something that's happened to you and it's similar to the 
similar to the, the, the where were you question, God, if you'd have been here, Jesus, if you'd have been here, things would be different. And so we live in our past, like we're in the past. That's, that's where we kind of sit. Or for some, we walked in and their story is all about the future. We just kind of think out there. And we wouldn't necessarily say it, but if he pressed us, or at least how we live, it's like, I don't really need the resurrection and the life. I don't really need that stuff because I'm this close to solving it on my own. Like, I'm this close. I got this one little thing in, in my marriage, and as soon as I get that sorted out, like, I'm there. I don't really need anybody to mess with anything in my life. I got this one little thing at work. Once I get this promotion, everything's going to be fine. I've got this one little thing with my kids. They're a little unruly, uh, but once I get them figured out, everything's going to be fine. It's just, it's just right there. I'm almost there, but there never seems to arrive. And as soon as we get one thing sorted, there's something else that pulls at it, and we just keep going after, and hope always gets deferred. It's always just out there, and we never seem to catch up. So here's the question. How do we know this resurrection means anything for us? Yeah, we can learn a couple of nice moral lessons from from Martha here, but how does this matter for me right now, today? How can I be sure that Jesus is the resurrection and the life and that through him there's salvation and eternity and somehow that eternity, because he can bring the future into the present, somehow that eternity can start in the here and now. How do I know? How do I know this matters? Because Lazarus died again. I mean, have you ever thought of that? Like, yeah, this is a miraculous moment and everyone's so happy and the joy and and the past is getting reframed around uh, around what Jesus is doing in the present. But the reality is there was pain again because Lazarus died again. So how do we know this even matters? Well, because today, Easter, it's not Lazarus' resurrection that we celebrate. It's Jesus's. There was another tomb and it contained another body the body of Jesus after his crucifixion, after he took on the weight of all sin and all pain for all time and took it all the way to the grave. And there was another stone that had to be rolled away. And his tomb is empty because he's risen. Jesus didn't just say the words on the resurrection and the life, he proved them. It's his resurrection we celebrate. In Luke chapter 24, uh, verses 1 through 6, this is worth following along with. It's in your bulletin, uh, or if you have a Bible, but this is, this is worth hearing. It says, On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took spices they had prepared and went to the tomb, Jesus' tomb, because he was dead. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered it, they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. See, our hope is not in resurrection in general. Our hope is in Jesus' resurrection specifically. Remember Martha's words to Jesus in her sorrow? I know he'll rise again in the last days, way out there in the future. I know that someday you'll take all the pain away and you'll undo all that's wrong way out there. But Jesus brings that future into the present. His resurrection brings a bit of what will ultimately be for all of us. When death is finally defeated, he brings that, a bit of it, into the present and he puts it right in front of us. He shows us that he's the resurrection and the life and that the resurrection and the life matters to us when he walks out of his own grave. It means all hope should not be deferred. 
It means if you walked in to the room this morning in a struggle, maybe a, maybe a silent struggle. If you walked into the room this morning in pain, maybe, maybe silent pain, heartache, maybe silent heartache. It means that there's a living hope now, not just in a, in a potential promised future. And it's okay to think about that. It really is. The scriptures, Paul in the New Testament, his letters to the church, he talked about it often, longing for the day when God sets everything right, when all that is wrong gets undone. And we should long for that. But it means on top of that, on top of that hope for the future, everything changes in the here and now. Because if all hope was supposed to be deferred to some future, Jesus wouldn't have shown up here. He would have just stayed at a distance. But he invaded the present to give us a better, fuller understanding of what he can bring here. Future hope to us right now. And you know how I know? You know how I know he can do it? You know how I know he proved he's the resurrection and the life? And that this isn't, this isn't just like religious platitude or something to numb us, to make us feel better as we come to, to church. You know how I know? Because I've seen it. I've experienced coming alive and staying alive through him. Before I became a follower of Jesus, my whole life, all my time and energy was spent on looking good. Not being good, looking good. Being at the top so that I felt like I mattered. And that meant pushing people aside and it meant pushing people away. And after a while, that didn't feel like life at all. And that all changed when Jesus came into my life and I realized before I did anything of worth for him, he gave everything for me. And my past, the things that I experienced that had led me to want to just constantly look for validation and look to be uh, seen as good and look like I matter, all that faded away. It was all reframed around the fact that he already loved me so much, not because I'm good, but because he is. And there's life that can come from that and freedom to love and serve and and give and create space for other people to hear that truth. I've seen what it's like to come alive and stay alive. Change can happen in the here and now, not just out there. I've seen it. There's a guy who came to Summit last year, uh, and he came with his family, and he introduced himself, and I introduced myself, and then the very next thing out of his mouth was, we're not church people, which is a great way to start a conversation. We're not church people. But he was having this crippling anxiety, and it was affecting his work, and his work had defined so much of who he was. And so he said, we're not church people, but we don't really have anywhere else to go. There was almost no hope in the present. And we met, and we talked, and we got to know each other. And, and, and the anxiety and, and the struggle that he's having, it's a, it's a real thing. I mean, we walked through that together, and he showed up at our Ash Wednesday service a couple of win, uh, Wednesdays ago. And that's a service where we, where we take an honest look at the fact that we won't always be here. We're not always going to be here. And even with the time we do have here, we don't always choose things that, that are in line with God's character, and we choose things that pull us away from ourselves, the person God's called us to be, and from God and from others. Yet even in that, Jesus entered into that, entered into that struggle to sacrifice for our sake so that we don't have to be hopeless in the struggle. And on that night, he said, I don't know everything that comes next, but I've decided to follow Jesus because trusting that, that, that he could, could re, uh, re, reframe the, the challenges of the past and bring a hope of the future into the present is better than what comes next without Jesus. And so he put his faith and his belief in him. And it doesn't mean all the challenges go away. 
It doesn't mean it takes all the anxiety away, but here's what it does mean. It means in the here and now, infused into the now, into the present, there's hope woven into the story. I've seen it. I've seen the resurrection and the life. There's a young lady who uh, goes here who was baptized last year, and in her talking about her story, what led her to be baptized. She had a difficult family and difficult struggles and relationships and all that kind of stuff, a lot of stuff that we've experienced, some of us. And, and uh, her story isn't one that you would look at the details and say, oh, yeah, I see how she connected that to God providing for her. Circumstantially, you wouldn't necessarily see that. But she wrote something in reflecting on why she was taking the step of being baptized that was really powerful and I asked her if I could read some of it. And she agreed. She talked about her life before Christ, and she said as best as she could describe it, it was like a dark room, and she had no idea how big that dark room was. And so she'd move one direction, and and there was just no end. It was just darkness as far as, so she'd turn around, go another, just darkness, darkness. And she said eventually that darkness took camp, set up camp in, in her heart, and that guided her days. And then let me read her words from there. She said, I was... Like I was blinded by so much past hurt, I couldn't possibly bring myself to follow Jesus again like I had when I was younger. All I could hear is that I'm not worthy of love. So I looked all over for validation in all the wrong places. But finally I said, you know what, God? My life is not my own. Every time I try to make plans, it fails. So I'm asking you to take control. I knew my path would be tumultuous, but I was focused am focused on one thing and one thing alone, to love Christ. I recognize that he's the one who truly saved me when I thought I was at the end of my rope and I had nowhere else to go or even knew the point of getting out of bed in the morning. He woke me up. If it weren't for him, I wouldn't be alive today. So everything I am, everything I will be, I give to him. I believe he is good, get this, because I've seen what he can do. Do you hear it? the past being reframed and the hope of the future coming in to the here and now, the past getting better understood where what's supposed to break us actually becomes a symbol of his grace and his goodness and a future where God is setting all things right, gets brought into the present and we get a glimpse of it in the here and now. That's what we mean when we say Jesus' resurrection, his resurrection changes everything. It means if you showed up here this morning and you're somehow hung up on the past. Maybe it's the near past, maybe it's the distant past. If you came up, you're hung up there and you just can't. Listen, if your sin, your weakness, your frailty, your shortcomings were more powerful than his love, he'd still be in the grave, but he isn't. Yeah, your frailty and shortcomings, weakness, brokenness, all of that was enough to send him to the grave, but it couldn't hold him. He got out. If Jesus couldn't overcome your shortcomings with his love, he wouldn't have been able to stand up and walk out of that tomb, but he's the resurrection and the life. And because he's risen, our past gets reframed around the reality of his death-defying love. That doesn't mean there aren't difficult times. It doesn't mean what has happened to you or what you're experiencing now aren't real. It means they're no longer the center of the picture. They get re-understood in light of a larger picture, reframed in love and care and provision and victory and life, not the opposite. And if you feel like you have some vague hope, maybe you walked in and you're like, yeah, I have some, some vague hope that things will be better down the road, but there's no real practical hope for the here and now. You've reserved yourself to some 
kind of like dull disappointment that will lead you through your days. Like this is a waiting room on until you wait and, and experience the, the real good thing. Move that stone. Move the blockade on your heart that says that God can't do big things and good things in the here and now. Move the stone that says darkness wins. Move it. Easter reminds us when we needed hope in the here and now, not just in the future, that hope moved our direction for the here and now, not just for the future. He's the resurrection and the life. And because he is so much of that future is being drawn into the here and now. Hope should not be deferred. So this morning, because we have a risen Savior to celebrate, and we're going to. We're going to spend some time singing together. We're going to celebrate for the rest of our time together. But because we have a risen Savior to celebrate, here's what we have. Here's what can happen. What can happen is that today, this morning, we can come alive and we can stay alive. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for the resurrection. Thank you that you're a God who is bigger than anything this world has to offer, good or bad. And nothing bad that this world can throw at you or throw at us can hold your love And nothing good that this world has to offer is better than that love. I pray for those of us that are hung up in the past that we would get a sense that you can reframe that in your love, that that that's the most important part of the story. It's not as though our past and and the, the, the challenging things that have happened or are happening aren't part of the picture. They're just not all of the picture. And I pray that there would be life that comes from that. And I pray for those of us that, that are maybe kind of just thinking about the future and that, that here is just a waiting room. I pray that you would change the view, that you would give us a sense that your hope can invade our present, that you went to a cross so that hope can invade our present, and you walked out of a grave so that hope can invade our present. I pray that we would be changed by the truth of your love and your death and your resurrection. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.